IBA Talk, the Insurance Business America podcast. In this episode, presented in partnership with Ironshore, IBA sits down with Lainey Dornecker of Iron Health, the healthcare professional liability unit of Ironshore. We cover the fast-evolving healthcare landscape, key market shifts, and how these impact liability claims trends. Uh, hello, everybody, and welcome to IBA Talk. I'm Bethan Moorcraft, Deputy Editor at Insurance Business. And in this episode, I'm joined by Lainey Dornica, President of Iron Health, the Healthcare Professional Liability Unit of Ironshore. Lainey, thank you for joining us today. Sure, happy to be here. So, uh, so today we're going to sink our teeth into the U.S. healthcare sector. It's one of the largest contributors of the U.S. economy, and it's currently undergoing some really quite dramatic changes. So, Lainey, as the U.S. healthcare sector grows, what does this mean for the insurance industry? And I mean, it's, you know, we, we were seeing a lot of growth in the industry and a lot of consolidation. We're also seeing a lot of expansion at the same time as consolidation. You know, what we're seeing is that big systems are getting bigger community hospitals and regional hospitals have been acquired. And at the same time, since inpatient care is expensive and reimbursements are being reduced, there's been a rise in outpatient facilities. So what this means for the insurance industry when big hospitals get bigger, and especially as they move from not-for-profit to for-profit, they tend to become even bigger targets for aggressive plaintiff attorneys as their pockets get deeper. And then we also have plaintiff attorneys who you know, we see them playing on these jury sensibilities using that profits over people type mantra. So in that sense, we've seen a huge rise in our frequency of severity, meaning that we're seeing a huge spike in claims in excess of $10 million. Mm-hmm. And at the same time as the number of outpatient facilities continues to grow, hospitals are left with patients that have even higher acuity inside of the hospital setting. So that puts a ton of pressure on the number and types of staff to care for the patients. And, um, you know, what we're seeing in the market for medical professional liability insurance is that it's still competitive, you know, despite a few tough years. But we're seeing signs of change now, and rates are increasing. The amount of risk retained by our customers is under pressure um, as, as large claims become, you know, even more frequent. The other thing that we're seeing in the healthcare sector is technology and healthcare really growing hand in hand. And of course, with the increase in the technology in the healthcare field, with wearables, robotic surgeries, telehealth, et cetera, just that, that creates new exposures and it also creates new and heightened expectations on the part of the patient. Hmm. How does that change the, the liability, perhaps, um, liability risks if, if people are using more technology in the healthcare space? Yeah, I think that when it comes to technology, people have an assumption that technology can't fail. And so, you know, we're talking about um, more exacting surgeries where, you know, the the doctors and patients are both expecting to have the way that they're described, you know, the results will be better, the healing time will be faster. And so the patient's expectations are rising. And when you have a rise of expectations, you know, there could be a rise of litigation when there's a bad outcome. And again, you know, bad outcomes don't necessarily mean bad medicine, but we see um, a rise in um, claims being filed when the expectations are higher. And, you know, that also plays into this idea of consumerism and and healthcare as well, which creates this idea of heightened expectations where, you know, people are paying out of pocket. And when they're doing that, they're really paying attention to that spend and what that means. And, um, you know, they, they want results and they're watching their, their pocketbooks and they're, and, and they're really expecting a lot more. And prices are becoming more transparent as well. 
Does that also tie into this idea of value-based healthcare services? I, I know there's been a lot about that in the news recently. Um, so uh, does this all sort of factor into that value-based issue? Yeah, I mean, I think it does. You know, we hear a lot about this move from fee-for-service to value-based care. And, you know, in terms of what that means for healthcare insurance companies, you know, one thing that's nice about um, fee-for-service is that, you know, what we've seen doctors do and, you know, this isn't the best use of money, but um, we see that doctors are able to engage in a little bit more of defensive medicine, ordering more and more tests. Um, which, you know, on the liability side, that sort of helps the liability insurance company. But on the care to the patient, you know, it's not necessarily the best way to handle care. Um, so we do see, you know, that is one of the fears that we have. We haven't really seen it play out. But, you know, one of the things that we started talking about as liability carriers was this idea that if it was a fee-for-service of value-based uh, model rather than a fee-for-service, that there'd be less of that defensive medicine going on. And, you know, people are aware of it and thinking about it. But like I said, you know, we haven't really seen that, that rise in claims like we thought we would. Mm, okay. Um, so in terms of claims, um, keen to ask about the sort of leading causes of loss in the healthcare sector. Um, so what are some of these, these loss drivers that people need to be aware of? Yeah, it's, it sort of depends on the sector. And at Iron Health in particular, we think about healthcare pretty broadly. You know, we, we insure single physicians, managed care organizations, plans and payers, life sciences and integrated healthcare systems. But, you know, when we think about loss in terms of dollars, um, it's really the mass actions or those involving multiple claimants that tend to be the costliest. In the life sciences field, we're seeing mass actions related to opioids, manufacturers, distributors, and we're seeing the actions make their way down the supply chain. And then in managed care, we have the Blue Cross Blue Shield antitrust litigation. But, you know, what we're seeing more and more of in the hospital and health system is these mass actions related to what we call batch claims. And that's multiple, um, that's a single event that's related to a single cause. And, um, you know, those have been actions that we see more and more of the policy language had gotten, has gotten pretty broad in terms of what a, a batch event is. And we're seeing a ton of those um, types of events. Um, so what's causing this, this rise in batch claims? Um, I, there are a lot of factors that go into the rise in batch claims. I think one of the things is, you know, really our interconnectedness and the impact of media and connectedness where, you know, something happens to a single patient and then we can have advertisements that are asking for additional, you know, buy-in from different uh, patients who have experienced the same thing. We see the Me Too movement, which is, you know, obviously one that's caught on. And um, medical technology, I think, is, is one of the reasons why we're seeing a lot of the um, frequency and batch claim as well, where they'll be used, a certain technology used on multiple patients. And it's really this idea of, you know, something would happen to one single patient, and then you can watch it happening throughout a healthcare system. And, you know, the, the generosity, I think, of the wording and the policy language has made it uh, easier to batch these claims together and treat them as a single event. But I think that plaintiff attorneys have also really um, sort of glommed onto that and, and make a, uh, you know, they can make a bigger uh, case out of having multiple patients. Hmm. Um, outside of, you know, this mass action and batch, you know, we're also seeing very large verdicts and settlements for single claimants. And especially when those losses are related to 
so amputations and birth injuries, that's nothing new. But, you know, what we're seeing now is that plaintiff attorneys are really able to blackboard higher and higher life care plans. And we're also seeing juries and even more damages, award even more damages than those that are blackboarded. And, you know, I think that really goes into, and we've seen a lot of publications about it recently, but, the, you know, this, this idea of the social inflation. And, um, you know, a lot of the litigation funding that's going on and this really lottery mentality style of jurors. Hmm. Okay. So, so Lenny, we've spoken about consolidation, we've touched on technology, and we've looked at some of the sort of claims and, and litigation in the medical space. Keen to also talk about, you know, employment um, in the healthcare industry. That is also changing alongside some of these technological changes. Um, so what trends have you seen in terms of healthcare employment and, and how is that impacting organizations and therefore sort of individuals' exposures? Uh, well, in terms of employment, I think what we're seeing now is a lot more physicians and um, mid-level care providers that are being employed by hospitals. And when physicians are employed by those hospitals, the hospitals typically provide insurance coverage to those physicians. So, you know, in other words, those physicians who used to have their own towers, or sorry, their own limits of insurance are now part of the um, insurance tower for the hospital. So you just have a single target. And so what that means is that hospitals are getting to be even bigger targets. Um, and I, again, you know, these mid-level care providers that are also employed by hospitals, they, they've typically been part of the um, hospital's insurance as well. But now, um, you know, I think they're doing even more complex types of procedures and they may be dragged into the case more than they had been uh, in the past. So, you know, we're just seeing a lot more in the size of, of juries, I'm sorry, in the size of verdicts and who can be um, brought into a claim. And then in terms of, you know, you asked about the idea of capabilities, you know, we're seeing, and I touched on this before, healthcare be, being delivered in, in different new ways and virtually and through robotics and the like. And again, you know, when you talk about robotics, the idea of procedures usually offering better outcomes with, with reduced healing times. But, you know, one of the things that we didn't talk about in the last question is this idea of, you know, one, the standard of care rises, but um, also when the technology fails and the outcome isn't optimal, we have to think about who's to blame. Is it is it the physician who used the equipment? Is it the hospital who made the decision to purchase the equipment? Is it the actual hardware? Is it the software? So we're seeing different types of um, exposures and, and, and people and corporations being dragged in. Um, I think what's also really important is when we talk about um, the care being delivered um, and this employment pool growing, I think we need to think a lot about the well-being of staff just as much as we're thinking about the well-being of, of patients and the time and energy that it takes to care for patients at a, at a facility, especially when you're pushing out, um, you know, some, some of the lower level um, acuity, you got to think about the time and energy and ultimately, you know, that's contributing to some of the burnout rates in the institutions. Mm. That's a big topic as well in the industry at the moment. So for risk managers and brokers, um, taking all of these factors into account, what do they need to know in order to put together sort of a comprehensive insurance program for healthcare organizations? You know, what are the coverage essentials? Yeah, well, I think that they need to really understand what their client does, you know, everything that that client does and what they intend to do in the coming year. Um, and that will help the broker spec out the necessary coverage and also build a program that has appropriate limits and retentions for the particular client. 
Um, I don't think there's really anything new in the coverage set. Um, you know, there's obviously always regulatory concerns here, and we've seen some regulatory products. So we have um, some clients who are looking at purchasing regulatory coverage. But, you know, I think healthcare providers still need standard insurance coverages, property, auto, work comp. They need specialty coverage like management liability, environmental and cyber. And as always, they need medical professional liability. Um, again, you know, I think the limits, retention, and the unique coverages are going to depend on their specific operations and their tolerance for risk and their financial condition. But, you know, what we're seeing is that as healthcare providers become more complex, it's really important for them to partner with insurance companies and brokers that are dedicated to healthcare and really understand that industry. Um, you know, there are a lot of coverages that need to be tailored specifically to healthcare providers. You know, it, when the work comp field especially, you know, they need to understand the need for needle stick coverage, strong communicable disease coverages, and, you know, I think the, the insurers who can take an enterprise-wide view of the risk and the customer are, you know, sort of best suited to um, provide a comprehensive program like that. Um, a couple other issues that they need to pay close attention to, you know, there's a lot of joint ventures and affiliations that are becoming more common. In, with healthcare, and so um, insurers need to be clear about the division of roles and responsibilities, who owns what, and I think it's really incumbent on brokers to present a customer's information in a way that the underwriters can make sense of the operations. And you know, I mentioned also the um, management liability lines. I think this is an area where there's really heightened attention being paid when we think about employment practices liability um, in the age of Me Too and then, you know, some DNO coverage uh, nuances that, that need to be considered in, in terms of all of the regulatory concerns. Mm -hmm. mm. So, so building on from that as well, are there any tools or resources that brokers can tap into in order to ensure they're providing the best possible solutions and, and sort of coverages for their healthcare clients? Yeah, we talked about this a little bit um, just now in, in terms of, you know, an insurance carrier who specializes in healthcare coverage. I think it's important to partner with carriers to, who really understand the space. I mean, one thing is we've got a ton of data, and through that data, we can provide benchmarking data to clients so they know how they're performing relative to their peers. We can also um, arm brokers with information on industry-wide rate environments so that they can help their customers um, plan and budget accordingly. And then, you know, I think there are some healthcare insurance companies who can offer some unique risk management resources when it comes to, um, you know, obviously the healthcare providers themselves are really strapped for cash. And when it comes to investing in, in um, risk management, you know, they, their, their finances might, might be pressed. So that might not be the, the place that they're looking to focus. And, you know, if they can get those types of resources from um, their insurance carrier, you know, they're, they're really well served. And it can come in the way of um, drop down endorsements. It can be reimbursement dollars to help them pay for third party services. And then also, also some, you know, insurance companies have risk management on staff when it comes to engineering and risk control at Liberty Mutual and Ironshore do as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Thank you. 
So, you know, we've, we've covered a lot of ground there in terms of what the current landscape looks like. Um, so now, what are the in, what's the industry talking about in terms of emerging risks? What are a few things that are perhaps cropping up here and there that healthcare organisations really need to be wary of in the next few years or so? Yeah, I think, you know, these, these couple are, are probably no longer really emerging. It's, it's been a while now, but, you know, you really can't have a podcast on healthcare without talking about cyber and data privacy as well as mm-hmm. opioids. So in the, you know, in, in cyber and data privacy, it, it's just the exposure is so significant and the ability to avoid a loss is, you know, virtually impossible at this point. So if someone wants to hack into a hospital system's records, they're going to find a way to do that. And, you know, we've seen examples of hospitals being held hostage because hackers have frozen their systems and are demanding a ransom to release those files. So, um, you know, when we see entire systems that can be taken down and held hostage, like, you know, they're just becoming bigger and bigger and more widespread. And, you know, I think the what's emerging is just the idea that the number of devices that can be hacked into are expanding robotics and wearables. So really the amount of data at risk has grown and the consequences of that event can be pretty disastrous. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to opioids and what we're watching there, you know, right now the focus is on the manufacturers and distributors, but we're watching that supply chain and, you know, whether it will be a single position or managed care organizations or hospitals, um, we're watching to see sort of what will be next in terms of the next big thing. And, you know, what's interesting there is really, you know, anybody can be a plaintiff or a defendant. So it's it's a new sort of twist. Um, but one of the other things, and we haven't talked that much about, about it, um, is this idea of the high-dollar medical costs and treatments, you know, in addition to providing liability insurance um, within Iron Health. We have a big focus on uh, stop-loss products, and so we're really looking at this idea of the high-dollar medical costs and treatments uh, that come along with the amazing advances that we're seeing in, in medicine. You know, there's this new emergence of genetics-based medicine, and while, you know, we're seeing diseases like cancer, you know, being treated or, you know, almost can be cured, the um the cost of it is very, very high, and we're going to, you know, we're watching who's going to be paying for those high-cost treatments, um, you know, whether the insurance companies have put that into their, you know, pricing models and things like that, or it could actually, you know, whether individuals can afford that care is a big emerging sort of area that we're watching. Mm-hmm. Mm, definitely something to uh, to look out for. Okay. Um, well, Lady, thank you. Um, there's so much to talk about in healthcare, and we've really only sort of touched the surface today, but it's been very interesting. So thank you very much for sharing some insight with us. Sure. Thanks for having me. So if you enjoyed that episode, please make sure to check out the rest of our podcast on IB Talk. Also follow us on social media. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter at InsuranceBizUS. Thank you for listening to this episode of IBA Talk, presented by Ironshore. For more from Laney and the team at Iron Health, visit them at ironshore.com.